Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another Empowering Chat. Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. And under the annual theme of Be Expansive is for the month of August, society. It's it's a, it's a crazy ride, you guys. Just just hang in, hang in there. Um, definitely, definitely listen to all the shows. I'm just I'm just tickled. I'm tickled. So, society, a definition or two is an organized group of persons associated together for religious, benevolent, cultural, scientific, political, patriarchal. Patriarchal, geez, that's not the word, patriotic or other purposes. Another definition, a body of individuals living as members of a community. So we're having these conversations now. I I, I love it. I can't wait to see what unfolds. So I just want to say enjoy the shows. So it's very interesting to me how... Uh, Last year, I was interviewing a lot of people that had done past life regression work and then people that had written about the afterlife. This, this year, I, I'm, I'm getting to talk with people that understand uh, the elements, how to utilize them for healing and balance in our own lives. But also, I'm talking to people who have investigated emotion and how emotion actually help us. So I want to welcome this woman who has written an amazing book. The book is called The Language of Emotions. And I want to welcome Carla McLaren. Carla, thank you so much for this book. Thank you, Susan. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, now I do have to say when I got it, it's it's a thick book, everybody. It's a very thick book. But it's so chock full of um, wisdom and research and definition and all of that stuff that this is kind of going to be uh, one of my books I'm going to keep on a shelf because um, there's just a lot of stuff. So, Carla, I got to tell you, I have been working through my own personal shit. <laughs> and um, and what's occurring is now I'm dealing with uh, repressed emotions that are surfacing because I'm. Uh, it's time. It's time to deal with them. So when I picked up your book, I'm like, oh, let's just see. Let's just see. And I opened it up and I opened it to the chapter on the anger family. Uh-huh. Described my family and my issues, my issues. So um, about that, that piece a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the stuff that's in this chapter, Carla, already I read, I was like, I'm underlining, I'm underlining, I'm starring. I'm like, oh my God, I'm writing in the margin. <laughs> so uh, just in that one little chapter. So thank you for, for my personal. He says, that, <laughs> <laughs> the anger family says, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about this because uh, the language of emotion. Now, uh, why language of emotion? 
<clears throat> well, the original book was called Emotional Genius, right? The, I think I wrote that back in 2000 or sometime before that. And when Sounds True took it, uh, the publisher's Tammy Simon said, Emotional Genius, I'm not even emotional halfwit. Um, that title's too much. So we batted it around and the, we landed on the language of emotions because um, many people don't have a language for their emotions. It's just sort of, that's a bad one and that's a good one and what do I even do? So you don't have language for things. You can't understand it clearly. You don't, you can't conceptualize it. So it's really nice to sort of have this language. And the reason the book is so big is because there isn't another book like it. There is no book that that exists where it has all the emotions and how to work with them and why they appear. Right. And and what I found, well, okay, especially when I opened up into the anger family, which in my family, uh, it, okay, we're going to talk about all of this, you guys, so just hang with me. Um, but in my family, there was trauma. It, my father was the, the traumatized one. And it and so his anger and rage was suppressed until it would explode. And so we were constantly living with a ticking bomb. And that trauma was then passed down to us. Not not the way he was traumatized, but the but then it became trauma. You know, I mean, my shoulders go up where I can and I'm empathic, right? I don't know if children of traumatized people are empathic, but so uh, you said that anger is the sentry to your soul and so a lot of these you talk about it early in the book how we um we created a valence right valence yeah on uh on on words that describe describe emotions that we've labeled them good and bad yeah and that right there is a huge separation within the soul because we experience all these emotions all the time we just don't experience one. Yeah, yeah. And if you think emotions are good or bad, positive or negative, you're going to avoid the ones that are negative. Who wouldn't, right? So you're going to have all these emotions you have no skills for and you like don't even want to talk about it. And then if you think of emotions as good, you're going to be wanting to have them all the time. And that's not appropriate, right? Yeah, so... You talked about expressing emotions and repressing emotions. So would you define each of that those areas? Because yeah, explain it me. If we think of sadness, where you're out in public and it's not safe to cry, if if you know what I'm saying, you're going to lose face. It would be a good idea to repress your sadness at that point, um, because there's a protective mechanism going on right and then maybe you go home and you cry where it's safe um so that's a repression that's healthy and there's also repression where like i'm not sad i'm never sad i'm always happy i'm like okay first no (laughs) so you can have healthy and unhealthy forms of repression and with expression it's where you are honest about the emotion so with sadness i'm crying I'm feeling it. I've, you know, I'm, I'm feeling loss, right? So, so a lot of people, they only have those two options, right? Right. You either repress the emotion, and if it's something like anger, where most people don't have any skills at all, they repress it, or they explode with it. And I was like, let's look at a middle space here. Yeah, <laughs> like, please. 
what's the middle place between these two opposites? Because whenever you've got an opposite, you've got the possibility of paradox, right? You've got the possibility right. of a mandorla arising in the middle of it. And so mine is called channeling, which isn't about channeling dead people, but um, moving the emotion along in the way that it meant to go. So understanding okay. what emotions are for, then you understand how to work with them. But if you don't know what emotions are for, and if you just think they're negative or positive, your skill set's going to be so low. Okay, so you just said a bunch of things that, okay, so let's talk about what the emotions are for, and then I want to talk about skill sets, because you you do suggest certain ways to deal with um, these emotions in a healthy way. Yeah, it supports your growth. So, but what are emotions yeah. for, Carla? I really want to know. Well, I'm going to go back a minute in time, because a lot of our, our ideas about emotions are not updated with current neuroscience. They're not updated at all. A lot of people think Ooh. of emotions as these lower things that are primitive. And then you have your your smarter brain that will manage the emotions or get rid of them. That's called the triune brain theory. It's not right. It's not correct. Um, right. Your emotions don't live in your amygdala. Your emotions are everywhere in your brain. What we're understanding now is emotions are a crucial and essential function of how you think, how you behave, how you understand the world, and how you make meaning out of incoming data, right? Oh, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I, I, I guess I never really thought of it that way, but the, to think that the brain is just um, logically choosing, but the emotions help guide you right? To yeah. find meaning in your life. Without your emotions, you can't, you can't make sense of incoming data. So a lot of people think, well, let's, let's do this logically and rash rationally as if emotions aren't there. <laughs> like you can't, you can't be logical or rational without your emotions functioning, right? So that's a repressed and suppressed person right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, let's be rational. I'm like, well, let's be. And let's bring emotions in so that we can be intelligently rational. We can be a whole person, not just some weird cutoff being. So, so knowing that, that emotions are a part of your basic intelligence, then we can start thinking about emotions more like usefully. Like, okay, so if it's part of my intelligence, what does this emotion do? How is it contributing to me rather than it's all bad, it's all good? Um, so for instance, anger helps you set boundaries and who knew I didn't know cause I didn't have boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. So many people grew up with in a, you know, in a family where you cannot have boundaries. Um, you have to be who the family says you are. And anytime you're stepping away from that, there's punishment. So you'll be like, okay, I guess I don't need boundaries. I guess I don't need to be my own self. Yeah. Um, and so skill comes in here very strongly because most of us have seen anger where a person is setting boundaries in a violent way, right? You know, like, here we go. This is my way or the highway. Um, you know, or even using physical violence. And, and so anger gets a terrible reputation. Horrible. And what people aren't seeing is, no, that's that person's lack of skills. Uh-huh. 
with anger. Anger is a powerful tool. And that person is like a toddler with a handgun, right? <laughs> I'm just like, okay. Um, Which we've been seeing a lot of. Yes, we've seen a lot of toddlers on our, with handguns and yeah. Um, so, so understanding what the emotion does helps you learn how to work with it and channel it appropriately. So if I become angry, instead of saying, you know, who can I go and hate? Or like, who can I go yell at? I'm now able to say, this is about boundaries. What boundary has been crossed? And that changes my whole approach to what I'm going to do with that power that anger brings me. So I'm not just like this unconscious mess of a weapon. I'm actually a person working with my emotion. Yeah, it's interesting because of having been uh, growing up in a, a, a family with a volatile parent. Yeah. Um, uh, my suppressing my emotions, you know, I, I find now I get I get angry when I feel like I'm pushed into a corner. Yeah. Right. And so that's yeah. a lot of pe- that's people crossing boundaries because I didn't have any. And yeah, um, which is interesting. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point that when our boundaries get challenged in a relationship, that's a point at which we can deepen the relationship. We can become more aware of ourselves. We can, if we can speak in a way that's not cruel or, or thoughtless, we can say to the person, this, this is important to me. And I think we've moved off of what would work for me. And, and we're going all the way over to what would work for you without me even being in the equation, right? Mm-hmm. And that's me speaking with anger. So what I want to say is, how do we bring me back into this relationship if this relationship's even important to you, right? That's a conversation with anger being being used. And most people would not even identify anger in any way when I would say something like that. They would say, okay, she's self-aware. She's um, able to communicate, right? She's whatever. You would call it anything but anger. And most um, successful uses of emotion are not identified as the emotion. Wow. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, she's so calm. I'm never calm like that. <laughs> um, the calmness doesn't enter in. But okay, so last piece, what you just said again. For most people, the successful use of an emotion doesn't even look like an emotion to them. They don't even know that the emotion is present because we've only seen emotions that are repressed or overexpressed, where people are just exploding with emotion and they have no sort of control over it. They're not working with the emotion. They're just, blah, you know, ha, whatever. Um, like, for instance, fear, which most of us have been taught to hate. And fear is our awareness and intuition and instincts about the present moment. So if a person is very intuitive, they're working very well with fear. And who knew that? Right? Nobody knows. No. <laughs> no. I was like, oh, you're a wonderful fear worker. And people would be like, get away. Fear is about cowardice and this and that. Um, you know, like bumper stickers say, no fear. And I know that fear is about being aware of the present moment. So I just kind of put on my turn signal and go, I already move away from that car because if they don't have fear, they don't know what they're doing in their car. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just gonna move over here. <laughs> so, Carla, I have a question. How did you figure this out? Because it's not, uh, it's not normal. Well, the fear is into intuition making us aware in the moment. That's like I've never heard of that. It makes my, it, and actually, it makes my stomach feel better. Right. <laughs> As opposed to when you're fearful, your stomach clenches and you're like, oh, my God, I got to protect myself. But so it's being intuitively aware in the moment. Yeah. To 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 make a better choice, not necessarily even to protect yourself. Right. Yeah. Well, because the the actions you can take with present moment fear are thousands of actions. Right. Let's say you're just sitting and you're writing and you hear a noise suddenly it sounds like scrabbling and so your fear goes what and then you're going to orient to what's happening right you you have so many options and then it's your pet mouse who got out right i was like oh, okay you need to go back in your cage right um but it if you can be connected with your present moment fear it doesn't always have to go straight up to panic right you know it, <laughs> um right yeah Okay. okay, so that that then brings me, uh, and I know that you you had trauma in, in the early part of your life. Yeah, being a uh, having been traumatized myself, not in any way that you did. I was married to a narcissist for twenty eight years, so that's a different kind of trauma. <laughs> but so I have so I have PTSD. You know, at some it's loud bangs, noises. I do not do not come up behind me. Yeah, don't scare me. Don't surprise me, you know, and because um, that's not fun for me. Yeah. So that fear, how how do you how do you compensate? That's not really what we want to talk about compensating for that kind of a fear. But how do we how do we manage or create skill sets that soften that? That is more. There's three fears that are connected that I want to talk about. One is fear is your awareness of the present moment. Anxiety is your awareness of the future and anything you need to get done. Panic is the emotion that comes forward when you're in danger. It's got the fight, flee, freeze, right? Uh, flock to safety behaviors. So if there's a sense of dread or danger, panic is there. So that feels more like a panic response than a fear response. Mm -hmm. So there are things in the panic chapter, I've got a whole series of healing actions that you can take to work with panic. But I think the first thing to do is thank panic for being there. Right? Thank you, panic. If I were in danger, you would be the go-to emotion. <laughs> right? Um, right. Another thing uh, I think with people who are very sensitive is to do boundary work around the body. You know, if you grew up without boundaries, then this might take a bit. Because there's a part of you saying, no, it's not safe to have boundaries. Right? Right. So, right. Because yeah. you're taught that. You know, to help that person settle down and say, that was true then. Let's look at right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for for my listeners, uh, I do do what Carla's suggesting. I create an energy boundary around myself before I leave my house or when I wake up in the morning or during meditation. I And it it you know, above, below, all around me. And yeah. um, and then I do, for the most part, 
the PTSD is a lot less when I'm out and about in the world and interfacing with people. So, um, yeah. So, okay, you said something about thinking panic for being there. So in my personal uh, experience, Carla, I, I, going through divorce, shame showed up. And I'm like, why am I feeling ashamed? You know, he should be, you know, why? And I sat down with the shame at one point. It showed up several times, you know. And, and at one point, I just had it sit across from me. And I'm like, okay, thank you. What is it I you want me to know? Because I am not feeling good about this. Yeah. So is is that a, a good, healthy skill set to develop for people when they have like high depression, high anger, high let's sit down and talk? Yeah. And that's the process in the book. I created questions to ask the emotions that lead into what that emotion does. And shame has a, a very good uh, question that you could sit across from a you know, put put your shame in a chair or find a way to listen to shame and ask the shame question, which is who's, who's I think it's, I'm going to get it here in a minute, whose um, ethics and values have been disrespected? And, Ooh, I got chills with that. Yeah, and what must be made right? Because, you know, in a, in a failed relationship, there are a lot of ethics and values that get broken. And so your shame may be coming up to say, let's make sure we don't do that again. Because when you're in a relationship that's abusive, there is um, manipulation going on of mm -hmm. your basic understanding of how the world works. And so you can get pulled off your own ethical and moral basis, which is what shame is watching out for. So a lot of times after you've been through something like that, your shame needs to come out and say, um, let's look and see what happened. Let's make a list of the the values that were broken, you know, and disrespected in this situation. And then you go forward and, you, you know, you know to look for that again, right? You're like, okay, this job is asking me to do the same things. I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's how you build your boundaries is what is true for you ethically, yeah. you know, which may not be true for the other person or what is... Where where am I going to stand on my own moral base, and you know, and what do I value? That's really cool. That's a really cool way to build a boundary. I love it. Yeah, and I think as you were talking, I was thinking as women of a certain age. I don't think it's still true. I hope it's not still true, but there is a way that in relationships we we're supposed to give up our boundaries. Yeah, right. Right. I mean, there was very much um, the male's in charge, the female's a support player at best. And so I'm doing the bobblehead thing, everybody. There's that old angle. Yeah. Um, so there can be like social training that your values don't matter if there's a larger person or a larger structure that's more important than you are. And I think shame might say, who's more important than you are, my friend? Nobody. Exactly. <laughs> Which is why so many women have stood up and pointed the finger. Yeah. You know what I mean. I know. Right. The Me Too movement finally got traction, thank God, because the shame that women and men have shame too. Yes, you do. I'm sure you do. 
Oh yeah. But women carry huge buckets of shame and and often it's not because they were perpetrated against, you know, it's not, but because it's it's the um being a woman, you naturally have to pick up your bucket of shame and walk around with it. Yeah. And it's from century, everybody. Yeah. It's ancestral. Yeah, and I have to say in a hierarchy of worth, which is what patriarchy is, nobody does well. Men are as abused by patriarchy as women are. Um, men are, their emotions are taken from them. Their empathy is removed from them. I'm not saying that men are not emotional or empathic. They are. But the social conditioning is extremely damaging to men, right? My jaw dropped. Do you just, I love your use of language. Hello, languages of emotion. I love your use of language. Hierarchy of worth is patriarchy. Yeah. And and you just explained to me what I've been wanting, running around asking people since the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. How could that happen? How could those, how could those men change their minds when their lives were threatened, hiding under a desk? Right. And then they walk out and go, oh, it wasn't so bad. What the hell? There is some repression going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm too tough. Yeah. To be able to say as a man, I was really frightened and I was crying. You cannot say that. You can't say I'm a human and I have human emotions as a male. We do such damage to males with that nonsense. And hopefully this uh, next experience of humanity that we this new age not new age like new thought not not that but this new this new golden age that we're moving into allows true equality where women can be strong and men can be emotional and women can lead and men can lead and not there's not just that one person at the top yeah yeah uh, that's my that's my prayer at least everybody yeah so so what's interesting to me also carla with your book um is okay so in in the chapters dealing with specific emotions and i opened up to shame and guilt as we were just talking about it and and, <laughs> and you say it's restoring integrity but you list the the gifts of the emotion the questions like you just said signs of obstruction which i found very helpful with like anger, I have I'll have to read shame because yeah, uh, and then a practice, and then the nuances, which which your nuances are um, words to describe the emotion, which is so helpful. Like uh, nuances of shame, and you have it soft, medium, and intense, and then soft is conscientious, ethical, hesitant, restrained. Is shame. I love that you you you're you're you've teased out. It's oh, you know what? I'm seeing a tapestry here of emotions that you've created new threads, right? And we're going back to the neuroscience where if we can we can uh, develop skill sets like you suggest in your book, then then those uh, pathways, neural pathways in the brain can reset in a healthier way, in a, a more uh, yeah. So, yeah, so I, I still appreciate that you pulled these things out, teased it out. Yeah, there's there's research on developing a stronger emotional vocabulary. And 
I developed an, an emotional vocabulary list about 15 years ago, and we've been adding to it for quite a while and getting it more and more specific. Um, but this research found that a stronger emotional vocabulary all by itself gives people better emotion regulation skills. It's magical, a vocabulary is. And so I put the emotional vocabulary list in the book. I know. I, I, I was like, oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. You know, and that's a lot of work because this is a long list. Thank you for creating that. Yeah. I appreciate um, that. I've even got a little on my website. There's a free list on my website, CarlaMcLaren.com, but I also have a little pocket-sized list <laughs> that I sell. <laughs> so people can like pull it out and go, hold on, hold on. Uh, I'm peeved right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little, I feel a little grief. Yeah. <laughs> and so we have the words at soft level, medium, and intense. And it's especially important. Let's say you've got an anger thing <laughs> where your anger goes to 11 every time you feel angry. It's really important to start looking at anger down in the soft area so that you can catch it, right? Because who? very few people have enough skills to hang, handle anger 11. So if people are explosive, maybe it's the only choice they have, right? But to start understanding anger at its softer presentation so you can catch it when you feel a little irked, right? <laughs> That's a good word. Yeah. When you're not incensed or inflamed, right? Grab it at irked. And then you can set a boundary there instead of losing, you know, losing your whole organism behind right powerful emotion. So Carla, that would require people to be consciously aware. Yes, it would. How would that be? Well, yeah, I love well, it. Give like a little um step by step. Here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. And um it it takes practice like anything right but what also is helpful is having a friend do it with you so you can yeah yeah so we have online courses at um empathy academy where you can just come and hang out with people who are also trying to you know relearn how to work with emotions oh that's fabulous that's so fabulous um because i find it's I do better when I have someone holding my hand, you know, like I, I cannot walk into a social situation alone. I, 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 I get scared and shy. And, but if so, I have a friend go with me, then I can walk in and handle, you know, the chit chat and whatever the thing is that you got to do with those things. Yeah. Um, and, and it's so much easier, just makes it easier and fun. I would think. Yeah. 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 It's fun to be able to, we have people in in our community who be like, "That was an awesome use of envy," and you just won't hear that <laughs> other places. <laughs> you just don't oh. hear that. <laughs> what else do you work on in the empathy? Since you brought it up in your empathy academy, empathy academy, we have courses and workshops every every month where we some people teach about single emotions some people teach an art practice some we have uh, something coming up for parents people parents are always asking us so we finally created uh two courses for parents and uh, Ooh, i wish i'd had that when i was raising my son i wish i had had 
parents who knew it when I was little. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of this book is for me when I was little, you know, trying to tell myself, you're going to get through it and emotions are important, right? I didn't think of emotions as important when I was little because they were so painful. Was- right. Painful and 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 you had to be to keep yourself safe you had you couldn't express it no right well yeah. they allowed me to express anger mostly which is weird for a little girl to be able to mm-hmm. express anger but they couldn't kind of stop me it was like okay carla does anger for the family that's what she does and um but that was a whole thing getting out of that agreement right uh, as i got right. older i didn't want to do anger for the family anymore cuz they weren't doing their own anger. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's very interesting how, especially in a larger family, how we separate the emotions out. But to then become a person who has access to all emotions, that's it's quite a step from growing up that way. Yeah. Right. Only being allowed to express one. Yeah. My brother, it was humor. Um, yeah. You know, because he couldn't he couldn't cry when he was upset. Uh, because he was a, a boy, yeah. um, and he couldn't yell back, yeah, because he was a child, and so he would goof off and 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 oh my God, make us laugh. So he was the clown for the family. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what I was. I was the Miss Perfect. So you know, don't, you don't step on the eggshells thing. That <laughs> took years to get out of that stupid thing. You know. <laughs> Yeah. And it is much better when you're feeling your emotions. It's scary. It can be scary for people, right? Yeah. But it's scary with a purpose, whereas before, emotions are just scary. You have no idea what's going on. Right? Right. Running around crying and understanding. <laughs> My emotions are coming for me. Like, no, they're coming to help you, pal. <laughs> that's really important. I want everybody who's listening to really get that, that that's a lot of what um, Carla's book is about is, is teaching you how to recognize that our emotions, your emotions, my emotions, are um, here to give us messages. It's they're not just random things that have to be done away with, you know, pushed aside. But they're happening for a reason. And uh, oh, and as we learn, like you said, you catch it early, yeah. Carla. Then then you're not downloading those emotions, stuffing them into your body, where you then create wonderful little diseases like, you know, arthritis and cancer, diabetes. Hello. I got them. I don't know if I can blame the emotions for those. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, uh, repressing emotions is only a good idea if you're aware of it and you have a way to work with the emotion later. Right. That's like a master class, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we've all done it where, you know, you are righteously pissed off and you know that if you did it, it, everything would explode. So you just swallow it and then you go home and you journal. (laughs) You journal, right? Um, So, I mean, we've all done conscious repression. It is a skill set to know when and where to do your emotions. In my, in my community on Empathy Academy, I can be my entire self, but I cannot do that in other places. So I mean, yeah, goodness, I've got that community, right? Right, I hear you. Yeah, and and hopefully, again, 
we are moving to a, a society, a humanity that allows all individuals to be more themselves more of the time as opposed to, in, you know, enclosed separate circles, you know. Yeah. Hopefully we can all be ourselves at some point in time. May not be in my lifetime, our lifetime, but who knows? Yeah. So, Carla, thank you so much for for joining me today and going for this uh, wonderful ride and helping me. I really appreciate it. Um, the book is called The Language of Emotions, everybody. And um, it's CarlaMcLaren.com. Yeah. Carla McLaren, N-C-L-A-R-E-N.com. And check out the, her Empathy Academy especially if you're a parent with these new classes she's got. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So do you have any anything you want to say that we didn't touch on? Yeah, I think many people notice that when times are tough, there's a lot of emotions there. And what they tend to do is blame the emotions. And what I'm saying is, when times are tough, a lot of emotions are required. They come to help. They're not, they didn't create the problem. They're responding to the problem. And to look at them as kind of like the EMTs and the fire trucks of the soul, <laughs> instead of treating them as the problem, they're not the fire. They're here to help you address the fire. Oh my gosh. That's so wise. I my mouth dropped open again. I'm like, oh my God. I I adore you. Thank you for, for that's like that's so clear. Because of course I've been running around like chicken little <laughs> the, the last month, you know, and my husband's like, Can you just stop? And I'm like, ah, ah, ah. thank you. Because it is. It's to it's to help clarify what and and, and learn what they what they want us to to understand within ourselves it's also part of our soul journey anyway right yeah yeah thank you so much oh my god we might have to talk again because like i said there's other chapters in this book i haven't gotten to that are all about me so parla thank you for writing the book just for me i appreciate it you're welcome so until next time and so it is namaste well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanburrell.com. You can see all the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, A 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website. And just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at Susan at SusanMorell.com. So that's it for today. See you next time.